that loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. That's a rather curiously loaded verse with some terms and phrases, isn't it? You see that you see that phrase exalteth his gate. You could build a gate to build some um, worldly attraction to your estate. Uh, you could build something to uh, arrogantly want to impress others. But historically speaking, in parts of Palestine, the doorways of their houses or places of worship or even merchants in town, um, they would build their uh, entryways no higher than three foot. And the reason they did that was because Arabs were notorious for uh, they didn't want them riding their horseback into their into their their house or their business or their place of worship, and so that it was a it was a lower it was a lower entryway, so that the horse couldn't get in. Now that's historically speaking. They'd come in, they they'd harass you, they they basically. I mean, who wants a horse running around their business? It's going to spoil all their goods. <laughs> so it was a way. You wanted to hinder that as much as possible, right? Well, if you didn't have that, basically, you would be inviting in strife. <laughs> it would be a door wide open for that wild horse to come in and just cause chaos. So you wouldn't want it to have high because it would cause you, you basically invite that in. Well, uh, this proverb is making uh, I gave you that historical picture. To give you this picture of it's the same with our mouths. If we speak arrogantly or we speak pridefully, that invites in strife. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before the fall. And when we're looking at this verse here in Proverbs 17, there's some people. They're not happy unless there's some strife. He that loveth transgression, that loveth strife. It's an awful caustic thing. Be careful about inviting it in. Be careful about that. Number two, look at Proverbs 21. Actually get 2 Timothy 3 as well. Turn over to Proverbs 21 and also get 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Keep your finger in 2 Timothy 3. We'll read the Proverbs 21 verse. In verse number 17, the Bible says, He that loveth pleasure. So the first one we looked at, we have people that love strife. This, the second one principle that we're looking at tonight is, uh, those are, there, there are those that just love pleasure. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man, and he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. If we take for granted, because we can go to the store and we can look on the shelf and there'll be multiple types of oil to buy. Olive oil, canola oil, and then just go on down the list. We take it for granted because it's easy to get. But if you go way, 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 way back, that was a luxury. To have some good oil to bake with. To have some good wine to bake with. 
it's not like it is now where, you know, we think someone's rich because they've got more than us. Well, if you don't have oil <laughs> or flour or things to bake with and the other guy does, you think he's rich. I'm saying the things that we take for granted used to be luxuries. And these luxuries, sometimes the reason men fail, the reason women fail, is because they just follow after and love pleasure. And they chase that rabbit till their deathbed, till, till their deathbed, pleasures and pleasures and pleasures. And as a mature Christian, we seek to move past being a lover of pleasure. Now, most, but not all, you can't say this to be 100% true all the time, but most poverty is a result of men seeking after pleasure. It leads to idleness, it leads to laziness, and it leads to self-indulgence. And the Bible says there are, there are men that love pleasure. And if we're not careful, it could be our downfall as Christians. Don't chase that pleasure trail. Look at the verse again, Proverbs 21, verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Poor is a relative term. You could be poor and have poverty. And some of that could be because there were things that were in your control or were in my control and we didn't handle it. And as a result of that, we fall into poverty. But that's not all the time. Sometimes, instead of getting an honest day's wage, instead of working hard and honestly, men decide to lie and cheat and steal. And you run that rabbit down the trail long enough, you're going to end up in poverty. That's not the only reason that uh, uh, poverty it, it hits. Some, they just lack the skills. They lack the opportunity. They lack the knowledge. That's very, very different than coming into poverty because of laziness. Some fall into poverty just because of mental instability. That's a real thing. Some people totally miss their calling or their opportunity. And they realize, you know what? I should have went this way, but I went this way. There are all sorts of reasons why that would happen. But in this verse, when it's talking about lovers of pleasure, Most times, the pleasure, pleasure, when it's mentioned in the Bible, most of the time it's mentioned, it has a negative connotation. It's the carnal cravings. It's the excitement that just ruins a lot of young people. You might grow up as an outdoorsman. You get older, and how many hours are you going to spend hunting? How many hours are you going to spend fishing? 
if you grew up with athletics, how many hours are you going to spend uh, playing sports? How many hours are you going to spend in front of the TV watching sports? We can take some things, and what, what, what could happen is the pleasure takes over, and we just love the pleasure of it. We love the thrill of it. And before long, the things of God are put to the side. Do understand what I'm saying? Lovers of pleasure. Look at 2 Timothy 3. Now, just one last thought on that poverty thing and, and being poor. You got to remember, back in Matthew 20, you know what the laborers agreed to work for? For the day? One penny. <laughs> How much you make in an hour? Just putting things in perspective, they agreed to work for one penny. How many ounces of oil do you think that's going to buy you? Poverty is a relative term. Second Timothy we're in, right? We have God tells us that there are two last days. There's the last days for the nation of Israel found in Matthew 24 and in other, uh, other places. And then there's the last days of the New Testament church. And in 2 Timothy 3, we're talking about the last days of the New Testament church. And when we talk to people or you talk to people about the last days, you know what they point to? An earthquake. The stock market crashing. A tsunami. A, can you believe the government is doing this? And you know what all of them are? Physical things that they're pointing to. That's the last days for Israel, and those last days are coming, but they're not now. We're in the last days of the church. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Are all these things that we see, see going to lead up to? Yes, they are going to lead up to. But the earthquake that you might have read about isn't the earthquake that we read about for the last days of Israel. These are physical things that people look to and say, we must be in the last times. You say, well, what in the world does that have to do with being a lover of pleasure? It has to do with it for this reason. The last days of the church are marked by that, not a physical thing that we can look at out in the world. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Oh no, what are those perilous times going to be? A tsunami might be coming in. We might lose our job. Oh no, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. The weather's going to go wonky. No. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. How do you and I know that we're in the last days of the church? Men and women love themselves. And that's a hard issue. Yes, it manifests itself outwardly. No denying or arguing that. However, these are hard issues. 
what's best for me. If it looks good, I want it. My self-interests are what matters. Jesus said in John 6, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You know what people wanted from Jesus when he was walking the earth during his earthly ministry? The benefits that he offered. Ooh, he can make, he can fill my belly. Be careful. They liked the benefits that Jesus offered them when they were around him. You know what they didn't want? His commands. They didn't want a real relationship with the Lord. They just wanted the things that the Lord could do for them. You want to go to heaven or hell? Well, who in the world would want to go to hell? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants the heaven that Jesus has to offer. You know what they don't want? Him to be there when they arrive. There's a difference. Lovers of pleasure. I want it because it'll benefit me. I want it because it fulfills my desires. Give us this day our daily bread. What type of bread? You want to fill your belly? Or are you looking to get filled spiritually? I'm not saying starve yourself. I think everybody understands where I'm going with this. So what do we have? Lovers, pleasure. Need to be careful of that. We don't fall into that trap. Number three, get Ecclesiastes 5. It's right after the book of Proverbs. And 1 Timothy. Flip back a few pages and get 1 Timothy 6. And Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. We'll do Ecclesiastes first. Ecclesiastes 5. We'll do first. Next is lovers of silver. Ecclesiastes 5 verse number 10. The Bible says. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also Vanity. It's the dissatisfaction of material things. Because you, you, you're guilty of this verse. I'm guilty of this verse. If the more things we have causes us to desire more things. The desire for more continually increases. So if you love silver. You're not going to be satisfied with silver. Why? Because you're going to need gold. And if you have gold, you're not going to be satisfied with the gold because now you're going to need land. And if you have land, you're not going to be satisfied with the land because you're going to need then just fill in the blank and it keeps going and going and going. That's what this verse means. Abundance, you'll end up being dissatisfied with abundance. Why? It's all vanity and it never satisfies. Proverbs 30, the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. It's, it's just this horse leeching, sucking mentality that just says more, 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 more. Bible says you cannot serve God and man. 
1 Timothy 6. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, you've heard this preached before, I'm sure. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. What does it say? Very obviously, the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, do you want money? It's okay to say yes. Yeah, okay. I want money. But what I don't want you to do, what you don't want me to do is fall in love with the money. We need it to provide for ourselves and our family and to give to the work of the Lord. And yes, it's okay to spend some of that money on amusement and pleasure. But how much of it are you going to spend on that? I can't tell you that. that you got to take that uh, before the Lord. How do you know you love money? Well, ask yourself a few questions. Do you have time for friends and fellowship? No? Well, you might love money. Do you have time to enjoy life? No? Well, you might love money. Do you have time to care for and invest time into others? No? Well, you might love money. <laughs> Money can keep you from enjoying the fellowship of others. Has anybody here ever played or seen someone play a harp? It's the real big instrument that's string. Got a bunch of strings. I don't know. What are they, this high? They're pretty big. Harps. What if you took the lowest bass string and that harp player just sold that that lowest bass string? Anybody know how many strings are on a harp? I don't know, quite a bit. It'd be quite a bit. And then uh, next week sold the next string and then the next string and then the next string. And then before you know it, that harp player sold all of the strings in the harp and people come and it's the harp without the strings and the player, and everybody's sitting there waiting to hear the instrument, and you know what can't happen? The harp player can't play. Why? The love of money. <laughs> and the very thing that was supposed to bring love and enjoyment and music and melody and all of that couldn't be realized. Same with us. Have you, so, have you got rid of your common sense? Have you got rid of your faithful attendance to church? Have you got rid of your zeal for uh, witnessing to the lost? Have you got rid of um, fellowshipping and getting with your friends? And before you know it, you might have gained well. But you may have, you may have lost just like that heart player lost. You may have lost a lot. You empty yourself into money. Before you know it, you're going to end up with nothing. The things that matter. The things that matter. Be careful. Lovers of silver. Lovers of money. Matthew 10. This is a tough one. I don't know if, if 
you young people, I don't know if you're going to be saying amen on this or not. I hope you, I don't know. We'll see. Matthew 10, 37. The next one is lovers of parents. Matthew 10, 37. Bible says, he that loveth father or mother more than me, this is Jesus speaking, is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. My parents sacrificed a lot for me. Your parents sacrificed a lot for you. But they did not sacrifice more for you than Jesus Christ did. And we've got to get that picture. I'm sacrificing for my children. But I don't, the sacrifice that I make doesn't come close to comparing to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for them. And what Jesus does is he put those two things in collision and in opposition of each other. And the higher calling must be Jesus Christ. Do you love your parents? I love mine. I hope all you young people would put your hand up and say, yes, I love my parents. And you seek to please your parents. But if as you are pleasing your parents, you are abandoning God, that's called being a lover of your parents. And making that the idolatry of your life. And that is a huge problem. You don't abandon God. And you may find that some of the biggest opposition comes from your family. Now, us homeschooling parents, we need to take heed to this verse. We spent your homeschool dad or your homeschool mom. You spend a lot of time with, with your kids, as I do. But they are not on this earth to serve me. They're on this earth to serve God. And what I want to be careful of is I'm not hindering them from the work that God would have for them. And, that, and, and, and that's a serious thing. That's a serious thing. Train them to live for and love God. More than they love you. Is that okay? To, that, that should be okay to say. I want my kids to love me. I don't want them to love me more than they love God. Because then it's always going to be. They're always seeking to please me. They become adults. They can't, they can't get out of the house and be on their own. They can't make any decisions. They got to have dad right there. They got to have mama right there. And you, they end up not being able to have any function in life for Christ. Heard some horror stories about, you know, daughters living at home till they're, they're 35 and they're still not married off. Why? Because nobody's good enough for their daughter. <laughs> and dad's got them basically held captive at home. That's weird. What is that? That's a father that's training their children to love them more than they love Christ. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. Well, I'm getting way ahead of myself. 
this will be on the Raise Them Right series that we're going to be doing in January. But my daughter's waiting for the message on the, the, the title of the message is going to be Don't Marry a Dope. Um, it, it, because that is besides you trusting Christ as your savior, young people, that is going to be probably the next most important decision you make is what mate you decide is, is God's will for your life. A little bit cart before the horse. So now I got to get that message all ready. Um, what's the point of this? Number four, lovers of parents, you got to be careful. You're not loving family more than you're loving God. And that's a real thing. And Jesus spoke about it. He spoke about it. Go to John 12. Next one is found in John chapter 12, verse number 25. Bible says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. There's people that just, they're lovers of life. This temporal life down here, they just love it. And they take every possible precaution to secure their life down here on earth. They're not taking any risk. Why? Because any risk is too great of a risk. Why? Because they just love life. They're doing everything possible to not expose themselves or their children to any risk, to any danger. They just love temporal life down here. We're missionaries here to the southern state of Tennessee. I, I know we didn't cross an ocean, but we, we crossed a couple of states and then we ended up here. And I realize that it's not a huge risk of life and possession but there's risk and missionaries that go abroad you know what there's going to be deadly snakes voodoo and witchcraft um getting bit by a little mosquito and getting diseases like malaria. Um, wild animals in the jungle. And the houses that they live in aren't as sturdy as the houses that we, that we live in. Oh no, I can't go. There's too much risk of life and possession. Okay, so stay home and protect your life. Now, I'm trying to draw a good balance because what I am not proposing to you is that you just go ahead and run out frantically and without any type of counsel and without any type of um, spirit of God behind it. We don't want to do that. But I, I told you that to tell you this. There's going to be risk involved when serving the Lord. You can't get away from it. It's going to be there. 
someone is going to say a dirty word. Someone is going to be rude to you. Someone may even spit on you. That happened to one of our young people at the Christmas parade. Lock her down. Nobody go out. No. That is what is ex you expect that. Expect that. Brother Chris says, you know, bear down the hatches. The, the cold's coming. There's a time to do that. But you can't love your life and take every precaution to secure every type of safety feature there is at the expense of serving God. Because that becomes an idol. And now it's just, I just love, I'm a lover of life. You know, there's a real problem because there's this, there's this fixation with, we're just going to live forever. Let's do all we can do. We're not going to live forever. It doesn't matter how many vitamins you take. I take them. It doesn't matter how much exercise you do. I enjoy exercise. We're not going to live forever. If you can eat some of the foods that come packaged in Walmart, that's risk enough. <laughs> that's risk enough. You can, you can take some risk. All right, so lovers of life, um, sometimes it's just selfishness, and it ends up you isolate yourself, and uh, we don't want to be isolationists. That's why we have an emphasis for public evangelism, and uh, we appreciate uh, all those that come and visit and get excited about that and want to go out. Because uh, God intends us to socialize. He doesn't want us shutting everybody out. He wants us fellowshipping with each other. And then he wants us ministering to and witnessing to the lost. You know, lovers of life, it's people that just, they just want to get the benefits from the work. But they don't realize that they can bring and be a benefit to the work. And so both should be there. Add some benefits. Add some benefits. Don't just be a lover of, of your own life. All right, number six, go to Proverbs 29 and James 3. Proverbs 29 and James chapter number three. We'll do Proverbs 29 first. This is a good one. This is a good one. Proverbs 29, verse number three, Bible says, Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. A wise father wants his children to get wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. That's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. That's what we want for our young people. The more wisdom you have, the less likely it is for you to waste your life on riotous living. That's why the harlots mentioned in here. Get wisdom. Proverbs 28 says, the price of wisdom is above rubies. Proverbs 16 says, how much better is to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver. 
There's something far higher than rubies, gold, and silver. You know what it is? Wisdom. Get that. It's the best prevention. Young people, pay attention. The best prevention to riotous living and getting into sinful living, the best prevention provided by God is wisdom. Get some godly wisdom. Guess where you're going to get it from? The only wise God. We have the only wise God. Go to James 3. Verse number 17, James 3, 17. Wisdom from above. See that? Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's from God, then peaceable. It's from God, gentle and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Wisdom. That's what you want to be a lover of. Wisdom. Don't be a lover of pleasure, lover of silver. Be a lover of wisdom. Last one. Get John 14 and Ephesians 4. John 14 and Ephesians chapter 4. Do John 14 first, verse number 23, Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, it's a pretty good thing to love Jesus, wouldn't you say? I mean, for God so loved the world that he gave. So Jesus is saying here, if you love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, if you've trusted Christ, praise God. There was a time when you didn't trust Christ and that made you astray from God. Proverbs or Psalm 58, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Young people, as soon as you were born, you started to go astray seeking, uh, speaking lies. This is why uh, you've gotten in trouble for lying. This is why uh, mama or papa said, oh, no. You're getting spanked for lying. It's the lie that little children speak. As soon as they go, from, they're going to start speaking lies, 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 lies. That's why you don't have to be taught to lie. You have to be taught what? Tell the truth. How many times have you heard that? Hey, just tell me the truth next time. Hey, I'd rather you just be honest. Just be honest with me. Don't lie to me. And you go down that route and you keep going and you don't trust Christ. You're just serving the father of all lies. And that's the devil. And it's going to end you up in hell. This is why Jesus said, I am the what? Truth. Truth. All you do is speak lies, 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 lies. 
You got to get in something that's truthful. That's Jesus Christ. I am the truth. You get in Christ. You're in the truth. I ask you to turn to Ephesians. Look what it says in Ephesians 4. Very powerful verse of scripture. Before you, as a sinner, before you've trusted Christ, you, you're, you're just astray from God. Verse number 18. 418. Ephesians 418. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You're alienated from God. You, you've gone astray from God. But God, in his love, he made a way to manifest himself to you and I and to reconcile us to God. In Colossians 1, you don't have to turn there. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. Don't miss these key words. If you have not trusted Christ tonight, you are wicked. You are estranged from the womb. You have gone astray. You are a liar. You don't have any understanding. It's been darkened. You are alienated from the life of God. You are ignorant and you are blind and your heart is black with sin. You're an enemy of God. Your works are wicked before God. Oh, but the great love wherewith he loved us. You know what he did? He made a way for you and I in that state to be reconciled to him. Praise God. Now, guess what happens? As a Christian, you and I, if you're a Christian, if you're saved tonight, you and I have the ever-present, never-leaving-or-forsaking Holy Spirit ever-present and dwelling within us. Hallelujah! And you're looking for a present under a tree in a couple of days. I've got the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Jesus Christ is the one that gave his life. He's the greatest gift. And I have that gift. It doesn't go away. I don't get something on the 25th, open it up, and then it breaks three months later. Or I lose it. Or I want something better next year. I've got the best thing. And if you're saved, you've got the best thing. Be a lover of Christ. That's the last, that's the seventh one. Lovers of, be a lover of Christ. Know you not that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. He made a way for you and I to be reconciled. And in John 14, verse 23 that we read earlier, he will come unto you and he makes his abode with you. And he ain't never leaving. Be a lover of Christ. And that'll help fix all the stuff we shouldn't be loving.